to the podcast, Move Forth with Grace. We will be reading the whole Bible in the year 2024. This is such a perfect way to get into God's Word each day and to develop your own relationship with God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. I am your host, Angela, and want to first of all say that I am not an expert in theology or church history or a minister, and I never will claim to be. I am a wife and mother who has been reborn and want to be of service to God and gratitude for calling me back home. Welcome to the podcast. The Bible that I will be reading from is the One Year Bible. It is a New Living Translation, and you can find one at www.tendale.com. This episode is brought to you by the Move Forth brand. It encompasses freedom, health, and God's grace. We are created in God's image perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully. There is nothing that we need to do to earn his grace and his healing. He simply gives it to us. I am certified in health and life coaching, but no longer practice. However, I have health tips and resources, products that I love and use, homeschool tips, and merchandise available on my website, and that is www.move-forth.com. One of my favorite products on my website that I use each day are stem cell activation patches. Stem cell therapy can be very costly and can produce results that are short-lived, which is why these patches are so brilliant and they are not considered to be stem cell therapy. They actually activate our own body's production of stem cells and support our health and well-being, all while optimizing our immune system. You can find those on my website as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for becoming less like you and more like Jesus. May you move forth with grace today. All right. Well, today is day 27, and we're going to be reading Exodus 4, 1 through 5, 21, Matthew 18, 1 through 22, Psalms 22, 19 through 31, and Proverbs 5, 15 through 21. Let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together in your word. I pray. Just pray that we can learn what it is that you would like to teach us today. I say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 4, 1 through 5, 21. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now, put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. 
But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on the way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand he carried the staff of God. And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do, but I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs of the Lord that the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with a sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land, and you are stopping them from their work. That same day, Pharaoh sent his orders to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't, re- don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are acting. That's why they are crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So the slave drivers and foremen went out and told the people, This is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can. 
but you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foreman they had put in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas earlier yes, either today, yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him, Please don't treat your servants like this, they begged. We are given no straw, but the slave drivers still demand make bricks. We are being beaten, but it isn't our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, You're just lazy. Lazy. That's what you're saying. Let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told, You must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. As they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, May the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Matthew 18, 1-20 About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child in the greatest in the, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the ninety-nine that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if, they, if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, Take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers... 
I am there among them. Psalm 22, 19 through 31. O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him, all who are mortal. All whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Proverbs five fifteen through 21. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the life in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. And those are our readings today. Okay, so one of the one of the questions that we definitely should look at here in this is in verses uh, four, Exodus four twenty four through twenty six, and this is from the companion book. And why did God want to kill Moses? Got a little it got a little dicey there for a second, didn't it? God threatened to kill Moses because Moses had not circumcised his son. Why hadn't Moses done this? Remember that Moses has spent half his life in Pharaoh's palace and half his life in the Midianite desert. He might not have been familiar with God's laws, especially since all the requirements of God's covenant with Israel back in Genesis 17 had not been actively carried out for over 400 years at this point. In addition, Moses' wife, due to her Midianite background, may have opposed circumcision But Moses could not effectively serve as deliverer of God's people until he had fulfilled the conditions of God's covenant, and one of those conditions was circumcision. Before they could go any further, Moses and his family had to follow God's commands completely. Under Old Testament law, failing to circumcise your son was to remove yourself and your family from God's blessings. Moses learned that disobeying God was even more dangerous than tangling with an Egyptian pharaoh. So no matter... No matter what it is that we're facing, this lesson right here from Moses was, okay, no matter what I'm facing with this Pharaoh, it is way worse to disobey God. So that's a, that's a really, really big lesson, isn't it? So something for us to, you know, just remember throughout our lives as we, you know, 
God is very, very loving. He's very giving. He gives us the free gift of salvation through the death of his own son. And it's, it's to all of us. It is available to absolutely everyone. And those who reject it, they, they will not fare well in the end. They will not. They will end up in, in a fiery place, in a terrible, terrible place. And so, um, this is, this is a place in the old Testament where it's like, no, I am God and you, you will do as I say. Okay. So let's go ahead and look at, uh, Matthew today. <clears throat> let's see here. Okay. So one of the you know, I'm, I know that you've heard this over in 1818 about, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus had just explained how we treat a fellow believer or brother or sister in Christ, how we treat them who have sinned. So he set out some guidelines. So I'm over in my, um, life application study Bible right now. And, um, he had set up some guidelines on what we are to do in this situation. So it's, we are to confront them first. So this is if they sin against you. Okay. Um, confront them first. And then if that doesn't work, then you bring two or three witnesses and try it that way. And then you, um, the church is then called in the body of the church is then called in to try to make a decision, um, about how to move forward. And so with this, um, binding and loosing here, the forbidding and permitting refers to the decisions of the church in conflicts. Believers should not need a court of appeals beyond responsible leaders in the church. Ideally, the church's decisions will be guided by God and based on discernment of principles found in his word. Believers have the responsibility, therefore, to bring their problems to the church, and the church has the responsibility to use God's guidance in seeking to resolve conflicts. Handling problems God's way will have an impact now and for eternity. So that is specifically for how we handle uh, sin against each other in the church specifically. So um, that's always just a, a good reminder for me. I'm like, wait a minute, what does that mean again? The binding and loosing. I know that verse, but I always am like, wait, what does that mean again? So hopefully that um, is helpful today. And let's see. <clears throat> And so finishing up in our psalm today, um, in verses 30 and 31, it's specifically talking about, uh, you know, generations to come and the responsibility that we have for them. So unborn generations are depending on our faithfulness today as we teach our children about the Lord. So they will teach their children and their children's children. If we fail to tell our children about the Lord, we may well be breaking the chain of God's influence in generations to come. We must view our children and all the young people we meet as God's future leaders. If we are faithful in opportunities to speak into their lives today, we may well be affecting the future. Isn't that a lovely um, responsibility grand and lovely responsibility that we have as parents today. I know that a few years back, I definitely was not, um, walking with Jesus. Um, I was just really very confused and lost 
uh, to be very honest with you. Um, wanted to do good things for people, of course, uh, but just was not was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I am just so, so grateful that I was saved a few years ago and really just brought back into a, a right path uh, with Jesus. And I could not imagine not teaching my children about Jesus. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. And um, now I get to have the opportunity to do that with them. And, you know, of course, they're, 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 um, eight and 10 now. And, uh, you know, of course I'm like, Oh, I just, I hope I'm providing a a strong enough foundation for them. And that's all, that's all we can do and hope for as parents. And then as they, you know, leave our homes, we, we pray of course, um, for them always. And, but I just, I cannot imagine not being able to do this and, it honestly breaks my heart when I think about, you know, families that, that aren't doing this, um, and teaching their, their children or relying just specifically on church once a week, or, um, maybe even Christian schools for that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that is not enough. That's not what I'm saying, but I do think that it's such an important responsibility within the family to make sure that our children know who God is know his plan, know that Jesus is our savior and that they can, as they grow, they can learn to develop their relationship with God and, and hopefully remain close to him throughout their lives. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you yet again for another day with you in your word. We just are so blessed that we get to sit in your presence that we get to hear and read and meditate on your word, Father. And just we get to live out your instructions. We get to walk a righteous path. And we just thank you for that opportunity to do that. We thank you that we have been saved by you. And we just pray for all others in our lives that they can be saved too, that they can know that Jesus, your son, is our savior. We say this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. that concludes our episode for today. Thank you so very much for joining me. I look forward to being with you in the next episode. Take care.